Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoyed today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. I'm so glad that you're here as we kick off the next four Sundays of, of Advent, where we celebrate the arrival of Jesus. Uh, it is great that we have the privilege of being able to gather together, and it is a great privilege. We're going to turn to John chapter 1 here in just one minute, so if you want to go ahead and turn over to John chapter 1, we will get there, and uh, we will begin working over the next several weeks in this Christmas season through the book of John uh, chapter 1. And uh, Pastor Ashley has led us um, in our community groups through the book of John, and as I was reading a number of weeks ago, John chapter 1, uh, it hit me. This is, this is what we need to talk about for Christmas. Uh, but as we're preparing for Christmas, you may have already begun to decorate uh, your homes. You may begin to, de- begin to decorate your school, uh, your job, or wherever. Uh, the youth did an amazing job of decorating uh, the church, and so we thank them. They stayed after church last Sunday and stayed until everything was done, and they did a beautiful job as they have done over the past number of years. But one thing I want to ask you to do to put on your calendar is Christmas Eve and our Christmas Eve services. Christmas Eve this year is on a Sunday, and I love when Christmas Eve is on a Sunday, and it's not a leap year, because that means that January 1st and January, um, January 1st and December 31st are Sundays. And so you can start your year in church, and you can end your year in church, and also celebrate Christmas Eve in church. And on Christmas Eve, that's three weeks from today, is that right? One, two, three, yes, three weeks from today, uh, you can uh, attend church two times. And I'm asking you to commit to attending two times on Christmas Eve for one reason. One, Jesus is coming twice. And so you can come twice too, right? On, Sunday, on that Sunday morning. You can be here twice on Sunday morning. And uh, on Sunday morning and on Sunday, Sunday evening as we gather together for Christmas Eve. Our Christmas Eve service will start at 4 o'clock, and that'll give you plenty of time uh, for uh, your traditions, your time with your family, uh, and personal time as well. And so just put that on your calendar. As you begin thinking about Christmas and you begin putting into place uh, the traditions that your family has, who are you, don't have to answer this out loud, but who are you looking forward to the most of seeing at Christmas time? Who are you looking forward to the most, seeing the most at Christmas time? If you're married, is it waking up on Christmas and looking across the bed and seeing that uncombed hair and crusties in the eyes. I mean, is that what it is for you? Um, My wife does not wake up that way. She wakes up perfect and beautiful every single morning. Um, Or is it seeing the kids come, if you have kids or grandkids, come into the uh, Christmas tree and begin the craziness of opening presents? 
Is it maybe FaceTiming uh, or doing a, a video call with somebody that, for whatever reason, was not able to be with you at Christmas? Who are you looking forward to the most, seeing the most, at Christmas? And I have to tell you, I got to asking myself that question in a very, very strange way. I'm looking forward so much, so forward to spending time with my family, Melissa and Lucy and Abby. Uh, my mom is coming from Missouri. My sister and her husband and daughter are coming from Missouri. Uh, we'll spend some time with Melissa's family as well. And so we're looking forward to just being together uh, throughout the Christmas holiday. But I got to thinking about this question in the strangest of ways, and I just want you to stick with me for just a second here, because this is such a strange way to start a sermon, but I want you to just follow along with me. We have a great friend uh, who was a part of the church that we were in before we came here to be a part of White Chapel. Her name is Claudia, and Claudia uh, lives on a, on a huge farm. Uh, tons and tons of acreages, and she primarily is an egg farmer. Uh, her and her husband were egg farmers. Uh, they were tree farmers, and Claudia has just added something uh, to her barnyard, pigs, and I love seeing Claudia's post on Facebook. Uh, her first pig that she got, the pig's name was Oliver. That is the best name for a pig, I think, and every, every male pig needs to be named Oliver in my book. And Claudia um, shares videos and photos on her Facebook page of, um, of her pig, Oliver, and now Oliver is married, and there's a Mrs. Oliver right along with, with um, Oliver. And Mr. and Mrs. Oliver just had 10 little bitty Olivers, and I love watching Claudia's post about her pigs. She's always posting about her pigs. She'll post about the chickens. Uh, she lives out in the middle of nowhere, and there are bears where she lives, and so she's, she's got everything per, um, safe for all of these pigs. Um, and so I have um, made, in Facebook, I have made Claudia's post like at the top, like one of the must-see, I think is what I actually clicked on to see hers, because I love watching and keeping up with all of these pigs. Now, I know what, what you're probably thinking. The women, when I show you this photo, the women are going to see this photo, and they're going to go, oh, they're so cute. The men are going to look at this photo, and they're going to go, bacon, right? That's the way that it works. Claudia's pigs are not bacon, okay? These are precious little pigs that she raises, and these are the little tin piglets. Aren't they so cute? You all said all. Nobody said bacon, um, so we had a couple of cold days over this, past, uh, over this past week, and Claudia took the 10 little pig, piglets and put them in this pen uh, where they're at right now, and uh, in this pen, there, it was much warmer for them. And so they're, they're getting a little bit older. I forget, they're probably like four or five months old now, somewhere, somewhere right in there. It's crazy. I know how old the pigs are. I'm sorry. I love watching the story of these pigs growing up. And so Mr. and Mrs. Oliver um, are in a pen where it's not so, not so warm. And so what Claudia wanted to do is to put her pigs into this pen where they would be warm. There's a warm. So there's a couple of chickens and, and a rooster that's in there as well. And so anyway, in this, it hit me when I was looking at this photo. I know I'm strange. Stick with me on this one. When I saw this photo, it broke my heart. Because you can see at the top corner over there, that's Mrs. Oliver. And she's in a different pen. 
And for the first time, for the first time, Mrs. Oliver has been separated from all of the ten little Olivers. And I'm telling you, it broke my heart because there's a video that goes along with this. And in the video, Mrs. Oliver is standing there looking at the ten little, little tiny Olivers as they're over there in this other pen. And these other little pigs, the ten little pigs, um, it, 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 uh, they were not concerned about Mama Oliver because they were eating. They were having the time of their life. They were not concerned about Mrs. Oliver, who was looking at them, who was actually wanting to be with them. And it hit me. That's exactly how God was with us, right? We are in our own little world thinking, hey, everything's great. I've got my little family. I've got my little job. I've got my little bank account. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm saving uh, for retirement, I've got my little 401k, or I've got my Roth IRA, or I've got all of this put together. I've got my Christmas plan. I've got all of this stuff, and I've got all of these things, and it's all of my stuff. But we forget that there is a God who is looking at us, and He just wants to be with us. And his heart is broken whenever we compartmentalize our life and we think, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this, I've got a little time with God, I've got this, I've got this, here's some maybe a little bit more time with God, and I've got all of my life, when the truth of the matter is God is looking at all of that and he's like, could you just be with me in every single one of those areas? The story of Christmas is a God who came to actually be with us in every single area of our lives. Not to be separated into separate pens. And we have our life, and God has his life. And whenever we need him, we invite God to actually be inside of our life. But the truth is that God wants to be with us and pave the way so that he could be with us in every single area at every single second of our lives. And this is the story, as John begins to write, much after the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus. He begins to write what we would call the Gospel of John in telling us who Jesus actually is. John, though, in an interesting way, does not begin with the Christmas story. Matthew begins by going through all of the genealogy of Jesus. The book of Mark begins by going straight to John the Baptist. Luke jumps right in, and he then talks about Mary and the prophecy and how Mary, it was revealed to Mary of what was about to happen to her. John skips all of that. John doesn't talk about the angels. John doesn't pull in Mary and Joseph and go to the wise men. He doesn't talk about the shepherds. John skips all of that. And John goes all the way back to the very, very beginning of time here on earth as we know it. John is proving a point here that God has come to actually be with us. And there is the story of Jesus at the very beginning of the opening of the Gospel of John. We have to dig just a little bit to actually find it. So let's read this morning. We're just going to read five verses. John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. And over the next three weeks, we'll continue going through John chapter 1. So here John lays out who Jesus actually is. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. 
Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. So let me ask you another question that I begin to wrestle with this last, uh, this last couple of weeks, thinking about Christmas and thinking about the time that we normally celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. When was Jesus born? When was Jesus born? Now, we would probably traditionally point to a calendar and say, well, we celebrate it on December 25th when Jesus was born. But we don't know exactly what that date is, but this is the date traditionally that the church has set aside to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. But when was Jesus actually born? John says he was with God in the beginning. John says, I don't think that Jesus was actually born. Now, I'm not a heretic, right? I'm not saying that Jesus wasn't born. But what I am saying is exactly what John has said here in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. What we celebrate as Christmas is the moment that God came who was not born. Jesus came. He was not born. He has always been and always will be. But what we celebrate is the moment that Jesus, God, actually came and wrapped himself in flesh, and his flesh actually was then born. But herein is this conundrum that we have to have an answer for in understanding exactly who Jesus is and exactly who John was laying out here of who Jesus actually was and how God revealed himself to mankind. Jesus was two parts. And he was 100% God, but at the same time, he was 100% man. And those 100s, whenever they come together, it's not a 50-50 thing. It is a 200% of everything. We are 100% flesh. We are 100% man. There is no godliness inside of us. We were created in that this flesh has a beginning and it actually has an end. In us there is a soul that will live with God or be condemned to hell in eternity. But in Jesus, he is 100% God and 100% man. The flesh was actually what was born. The God part has always actually existed. And I ran across um, a short video of Billy Graham explaining something that I had never understood before, or I, that I'd never heard him say. I'd understood, but I'd never heard him explain it this way before. Billy Graham said, when Franklin was young, they were out walking in some woods near their house. And as they were out walking in the woods in their house, they came across an ant pile, and Franklin accidentally kicked the ant pile, and he stopped and looked down at the ants, and the ants were scurrying around all over the ground. And Franklin was concerned that he had kicked the ant pile, and he wanted to do something to help the ants. And Franklin said to Billy Graham, Dad, is, what can we do? Can we help them rebuild their nest is, or their, their, their anthill? Is there something that we can do to help all of these ants? 
And Franklin looked at his dad pleading, begging for Billy Graham to step in and to help these ants in some way, shape, or form. And Billy Graham said to Franklin, there is nothing that we can do because we are too big to step into their world and help rebuild the anthill and to aid these ants. And he said, whenever God realized and saw the sin of Adam and Eve in the garden in Genesis chapter 3, that is exactly the problem that God had. He was with them in the garden in spirit, but he was not with them in flesh. And from that moment on, God began to put in a plan to get us to the arrival of God himself coming in the flesh in Jesus, wrapping himself in the flesh in Jesus, so that he could be here to actually fix the problems that we actually have, which was a sin problem. And John is telling us here that Jesus has actually come to fix that problem, but he is making sure that we understand that God has always, Jesus, God has always been in existence. It didn't just start some 2,000 years ago, but he was with God in the very beginning. And John is actually referring to the beginning of the world, the birth of the world. And so what we see in the beautiful image of who Jesus actually is, in the way that God has orchestrated it, Jesus was at the beginning of the birth of the world, and here he came to give us a rebirth in the world that we're actually living in. The first six words of the book of John are some of the most amazing theological words that you will ever understand or ever actually read. In the beginning was the Word. And then John goes on to describe the light that can only be found in Jesus and the darkness that is in this world. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it or understand actually what it was. And then John goes on to say, and the Word became flesh, and He dwelled or He lived among us. And this among us is what we are going to focus on for the next four weeks as we understand what it means for God who has always existed to come and wrap himself in flesh which has a beginning and an end so that God could actually be among us. It's this mind-bending concept, but yet it is so simple that even a child could understand it. That God in the flesh, Jesus, was fully human, and he was fully divine. While John doesn't address the Christmas story exact or direct and say anything about that, he does say the Word became flesh, and he actually dwelled among us. Now, the word, word here, when Jesus is actually, or when John is actually referring to the Word, it's a capital W, w which actually is referring to Jesus Christ. This is a significant word, and those that John was writing to would have actually understood whenever this word, word, was actually used, it's referring to the deity and the voice of God Almighty, God actually speaking and God actually being involved, God caring about intimate details, God wanting and loving so much that he could not help himself but to actually incorporate himself into the life so that of the life of the world so that he could then reveal himself as the Savior and as the Messiah. 
But the truth of the matter is, is that Jesus is not a part of the Christmas story. It's that Christmas is a part of the story of Jesus. And we in this world flip that around. And we've allowed the commercialization of Christmas. We've allowed the gift giving and all of the beautiful things that are not wrong of Christmas to actually cause us to focus on Christmas and try to drag Jesus in to be a part of Christmas. But Christmas is a part of the story of Jesus. It's not the other way around. We can't flip it around. We have to keep the main thing the main thing. But the beautiful thing that John actually says is that it's not just Jesus' story, but that we are involved in that story. Because God makes Christmas about you and about Him actually being together. And so here John is actually revealing to us that God in the flesh came to actually be with us. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And herein we see ourselves incorporated into the story of Jesus, which a part of that is the Christmas story. And so Christmas is a time that we celebrate that we have been extended an invitation to be a part of the story of Jesus, which includes the Christmas story. And we continue going through the book of John and what John is actually revealing and the invitation that we have been given. We get down to verse 29 at the end of chapter 1, and this is what John says. The next day, he, here he's talking about John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John is unmistakably clear about who Jesus was. Jesus was God in the flesh, and here he's offered such convincing and compelling proof of the identity of Jesus being all God and all man, and then the invitation that God is actually giving to us that we should accept because he truly is the Messiah. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. I don't know about you, but I'm a visual learner. I like to see things visually. And so I took this verse and I lined it to the right of the page because I wanted you to actually see how this is actually aligned with the identity of Jesus and then with the identity of God Almighty. Just in this first verse, it says, in the beginning was the, was the Word. In the beginning was Jesus, is what John is actually saying. In the very beginning, there was Jesus, and the Word was with God. And so we see this alignment here in this first half of John 1.1. There was Jesus, and then there was God, and then they were together. But John did not end it there, but he ended the last half of John 1.1. When he then goes on to say, and the Word was God. And so it wasn't just God and Jesus. He says it was Jesus, the Word, actually was God. There is a unity there that Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit are actually one. They're united together. We'll see the re revelation of the Holy Spirit as we continue looking at the book of John and who God actually was. 
And then we see this beautiful image of God saying, I want to be with you so much. Jesus said to his disciples, go and wait for the arrival of the Holy Spirit. And then as the Holy Spirit comes and moves into us, we see God actually being a part of us so that then our bodies become the temple of the Holy Spirit. So then this among us is actually come complete because therein we see a relationship that God imagined in the very beginning. In the beginning, would you put that slide back up? In the beginning, there was the Word. And the Word was with God. But then the Word was God, united together as one. He was in the beginning with God. What a beautiful image that John has painted here for us in who Jesus actually was as God 100% and then coming as 100% man to be the perfect and ultimate sacrifice for the sins that each of us has committed. What a beautiful image of the arrival of the first advent of Jesus Christ. What a beautiful picture that John has actually painted here for us as he's used this amazing language as a gift that God has given to us to impart the wisdom of the Trinity of God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit all as one but who has actually come to be a part of us. And John has done this And if you think back to the very, very beginning of the scriptures that we actually have in the beginning of Genesis, where we actually see uh, God uh, revealing to us about creation, what we see is in this, there's some very similar language. Because Genesis 1-1 begins, in the beginning, God. And then we get to John chapter 1, verse 1, and it's in the beginning was the word. Well, that's God. And so what we see is in the beginning, in Genesis 1, there was God, there was Jesus, there was the Holy Spirit. They were all there together. And John says in the next couple of verses, there was nothing that was made that Jesus and the Holy Spirit were not a part of. He was there. He was at work. And then imagine how crushed he was when his work was actually scarred with sin. Could you imagine creating something and being so excited about something that you've actually created, so proud by saying, hey, look what I've done. It is good. This is awesome stuff that I've actually done. And then someone coming along and damaging that, it would hurt. Some of us have experienced that in our lives. We've created things. We've created an image. We've created this image for our family. We've created this image through the stuff that we buy. We've created this image with how we present ourselves, be it on social media or just being around and interacting with other people. We've created this image with our jobs and with our family, with the money that we actually have. And we're proud of that. In America, we've learned, be proud. Be proud. But you know, I wonder if we were to ask ourselves in each one of these little compartments that we actually have in our life, 
Is God there among those individual things? Or are we content with them just being scarred? Or the image tattered, hurting, bleeding at some point? Struggling for life and in and of itself. Just as Jesus came to be with you, He came to be in every single area of your life. Because He did not just come to deal with a sin problem. Well, that was the problem He came to deal with. But through dealing with the sin problem, it then began to address all of the wrongs in this world. Because it was the sin issue at hand that brought brokenness. It was the sin issue that brought disunity. It was the sin issue that brought areas into our life that actually needed healing. And God came to fight and deal with sin, and He won, by the way, and took away the consequences of sin, so that every second of our lives, He could be with us. He could be among us. He could be right there with us, just as He was in the beginning. He was there for you when you needed Him the most and when you needed Him the least. The question, the question for us is are we aware of the presence of God? And this is what John, I believe this is what John is actually addressing. He's addressing the presence of God with His people. And He's saying before, in the beginning, before anything actually was made, Jesus was there. He was a part of the creation. There was nothing that was made without Him. He was a part of the creation process. He was there watching as the enemy lured Adam away into a life of sin. And then this world was broken and it was damaged. And from that point forward, they begin to put in the place the moment that Jesus God would come and wrap himself in the flesh to deal with this issue so that he could be with you in every second of your life. There's no beating around the bush trying to explain the meaning away of what John is actually telling us here. Jesus is actually there in the beginning, and Jesus was there at his arrival where the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and Jesus is here for you even right now. John would go on to say in John chapter 3, 16, perhaps the most memorized verse of the Scripture, that God loved the world, for God so loved the world that He gave His only one Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is the promise that the arrival of Jesus actually has given to every single one of us. So just as Christmas is a part of Jesus' story, you are a part of the story of Christmas. Because Jesus has come to give you a relationship with God Almighty. Think about that. God said, I want to give you the opportunity to be with me just as I am actually with you. Jesus wants to be with you. He wants to be in relationship with you. I read something this week that really got me to thinking that I just want to read it exact to you. It was in a commentary that I was reading. It says, do you believe that the word that became flesh was God or not? This is a question that's worth wrestling with as we prepare for the holiday season. 
will decorate and make plans to see shows, visit family, go shopping, and schedule holiday dinners. But what is it all for? Is it a cultural tradition that we bought into? Or is there something deeper beneath all of the glitz and all of the glam? The God who entered our world and took on flesh for the sake of our salvation. Listen, that's what John answers for us. That's the choice that John actually presents to us. And that's why these five verses at the beginning of the book of John are so relevant for each of us. So my question to you this morning is who are you looking forward to seeing the most this Christmas season? Is it your family? And it's not wrong to look forward to seeing family. Is it some of your friends that you haven't seen in a long time? And it's not wrong to look forward to seeing some of your friends. Or is the person that you're looking forward to seeing the most this Christmas season, Jesus Christ, God himself? Christmas is about your relationship with God. And so let's be careful not to make it about anything other than that. Because God wants to see you this Christmas. He wants to spend time with you this Christmas. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. He was God, and He wants to be with you. So the question then becomes, will you be with Him? Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you'll continue to join us as we lean into God's Word together. Until next time, have a great week.